Presented to you by the Sideline Dynasty. Visit SidelineDynasty.com, the cure for every sports addict. You know, some guys might decide that it's a little too tough, or it's a little too hard, it's a little too demanding. It's Division One football! It's the Big 12! It ain't your murals! You got two weeks after finals, you got a week of July 4th, and you got a week before camp starts. That's a month! That's probably more vacation than you guys get. And we're a little bummed out that we don't get three weeks. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals. Welcome to the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. And I'm Jeff. Follow us on social media at RunPodOption on Twitter or email us RunPodOption at gmail.com. Uh, Jeff, quick question. Is another Oklahoma quarterback going to win the Heisman? If he doesn't win it, he will be there for the ceremony. I figure if at this clip, he's <laughs> got to, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know where he was ranked and cut on the preseason Heisman rankings, but... If you were reading Twitter, what was it, Sunday night? He was quickly yeah. moving to the top of the list. Yeah, yeah the uh, Hurts for Heisman uh, hashtag <laughs> I saw a whole bunch of. Um, it's weird because I think it was consensus going to be two or Trevor, mm-hmm. um, which is wild because I think two years ago, Jalen was in that comp- – I don't know if he was in that conversation, actually. That would have been Baker, so maybe not. Yeah. Um, but I think I wanted to dive into this first only because 508 total yards and six touchdowns, uh, even when you're playing what is essentially uh, one-legged defenses like Houston's, right. it's still really impressive. Um, I kind of couldn't believe how violent he was the way he ran. <laughs> he was... Yeah, and I mean, he just, that offense, if someone doesn't give Lincoln Riley like a $20 million a year <laughs> contract in the NFL soon, they're missing out because he just, I mean, that offense just tailor-made for her. It's like running the, the, the passing game. It was perfect. Well, it's, it's weird too because it's almost like, I think, I saw someone talk about Hertz on Twitter referring to being a volume game manager at uh, at Alabama and then this complete transition. And I'm not so sure that he's got like, he, I think he's a better runner than Baker. Right. I think we can agree on that pretty easily. Yeah. I think Kyler's probably faster, but when Jalen hurts runs, it looks like, like LaShawn McCoy in his prime. Like it looks like a running back. It looks like yeah, he's very, young very decisive. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good comparison. I mean, he just like, I love how you said violent because he just like takes off with bad intent, and it's just like, yeah, there's no slowing cuts, down. The way yeah. like, Kyle, Kyler was so incredibly fast, but it's still kind of even like just going back to like Pat White, like they were so fast, but it did feel like they were running on their toes, like, like they had something behind them chasing them. Because they mm-hmm. probably did, you know? 
Um, <laughs> and and the way he leans forward when he runs is is crazy to me. I just I wonder. The passing thing, I think, is the most surprising. There's a lot of yards after catch there with some guys, but uh, I don't think there's a better coach in football that can scheme guys open the way that Lincoln Riley does. No, and I don't. I don't like you said. I don't know how much of it was Houston's defense because the last memory I have of them is giving up seventy points to Army in their bowl game. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know how good they are. There were some really bad, uh, you know, gaps. But, yeah, it just seemed like every time he threw, there was no one, like, within 15 yards of the receivers. Well, yeah, well, yeah their best, that, that one pass to C.D. Lamb, where he yep. he didn't have a guy 20 yards in front of him. Everyone was out of frame. And I think, yeah. think it's, it's going to be weird because I think at some point Lincoln Riley is going to be in discussing just purely the Heisman Trophy, someone's going to adjust the way they vote because they're going to attribute it to Lincoln and not the quarterbacks. Um, and and I think when we see eventually Spencer Rattler, which will be the first quarterback I think he's been a head coach of that wasn't a transfer. Right. Baker, Baker was, Kyler was, and Hurts yeah. now. Um, I'll be interested to see how he recruits in quarterbacks too, and how they develop. I guess my question is, if you're a if you're a star quarterback who's not doing well on your current team, who will transfer to Oklahoma next year? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's a. I kind of hate it because I want to see Spencer Rattler <laughs> do uh, do right. good things, but almost at this point, it's almost like he's grocery shopping. Yeah. I think Lincoln Riley's top of the list for any quarterback that's transferring out. If yeah. if if anybody thinks they're even a, at least a little bit able to coach or to coach to uh, play quarterback in the, in college, I don't see why Lincoln wouldn't be your first choice. And there might be I can't I, like I. I so Scott Frost and I forget the assistant coach he has. It's supposed to be like the quarterback whisperer. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, Taylor Martinez wasn't incredible or anything like that, but how much better is Taylor Martinez just in week one in the different system that Oklahoma runs for, you know, I think it's, I think it's significant. Yeah. I mean, he would put up similar numbers. He would be shredding teams. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's got, he's got it on the feet as well. Uh, what other game, uh, stuck out to you this weekend? How was your weekend? First of all, <laughs> I guess it's really it was going. great. You know, the long weekend. I watched probably too much football. I think I overdosed by by last night. So, I uh, I watched five minutes, uh, and it was the end of the first half where they fumbled it like three consecutive times, <laughs> and, I, and I realized yeah. I'd seen I'd seen enough. <laughs> yep. Uh, how, how do you how do you feel about opening like proper opening weekend being over the course of this time five days with Thursday to Monday? You know, I thought it was okay. Uh, you know, I was talking to my wife yesterday. You know, we were actually kind of pumped about the Notre Dame Louisville game because it got really heated and it got, it was kind of back and forth for a while. Most of the games we watched Saturday were blowouts. I mean, the only ones that weren't, the Florida State Boise State game ended up being really good, but it wasn't good for a while. And then the Auburn game turned out great. But other than that, it was a lot of, 
it was a lot of top 25 teams beating up on FCS teams, to be honest. It felt like it was a, uh, on Saturday especially, it was either one team just waterboarding the other, <laughs> or, it was, or it was a team that shouldn't be winning, either winning or cutting it close. Like yeah. your Northern Iowa and Iowa State, or the obvious Georgia State beating Tennessee. It's even South Alabama and Nebraska being a close one. Indiana State. Yeah. It felt weird because, like you said, you know what I saw more than anything? It seemed like almost every single game I watched, there wasn't a team that had, until Oklahoma, all four quarters where their offense seemed to be on the same page. There was a lot of, I don't want to say, fans weren't upset, but like reading message boards and sites, like even a lot of really good teams, like Ohio State slept walk through two quarters against FAU. Like Michigan was dinking around with Middle Tennessee for a while. So even some of the better teams, like you said, did not look like they were fine-tuned. Oklahoma looked like they had not skipped a beat from last year. Yep. Yeah, once uh, it looked like Iowa didn't slow down in their match. It looked like Oklahoma didn't slow down um, from last year. Just just Oklahoma just hammering. Obviously, Maryland scoring seventy nine is wild. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like like seeing seeing Stanford. Honest to God, Stanford or Northwestern, I checked out. Uh, I had it on like third or fourth <laughs> screen, and and I I. Uh, I can appreciate a defensive struggle, uh, but I can't appreciate offensive just ineptitude. Uh, yeah. It was a weird combination of both. Um, I watched more Penn State and Idaho than I did Stanford Northwestern, if that gives you any <laughs> indication. Um, but, you know, Michigan hitting the hitting the gas pedal and then slowing down or skipping because yep. I think Shea Patterson left. It happened in the Syracuse game, happened in the Ohio State game. It happened in the Alabama game, the first half, their offense not really doing anything. Nebraska, Washington State, Florida, everybody actually, take that back. Washington State's in midseason form. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a weird weekend, and I don't know if I'm just North Carolina and or South Carolina <laughs> applied to that rule. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if my memory is short, and this is like every week one, but I, I don't remember thinking at the end of a week one last year, like, shit, it seems like they haven't practiced with one another. It looked almost like the AAF. The way the yeah. AAF had, like, you'd have a really great play, and then it was like, oh, cool, that's the first time they run that play out of practice, and you can tell. <laughs> yeah. What do you think that's attributed to? I don't know. And I, that's a really good point you made, because I don't feel like it was, it's was. it been this bad in years past. Like, teams are always kind of sloppy coming out of the, out of the gate, but... Like a lot of penalties, you know, timing was off. And, and I don't understand that because I don't think their practice schedules have changed much now. They did start to reduce, I think, padded practices. So I wonder if that is part of it. They can only do, I don't think teams can do two-a-days anymore. I think that rule went into effect sometime recently in the last year or two. Is that two-a-days with pads, I wonder? Yeah, like they can do, they can still do two-a-days, but they can't do padded two-a-days. You know, uh, and a good example uh, I'll use, so being an, an SMU fan and watching Shane Bichelle, who had just an incredibly game statistically and excited to have him as the quarterback, 
<laughs> like genuinely, which is the first thing I could, uh, Hicks, I couldn't, I couldn't take Hicks anymore. And, <laughs> and there's a whole history there, but yeah. like he was 30 for 49 and there were a few drops, but there was a lot of bad passes and yeah, it was, it didn't look like it was like, it wasn't like he was skipping them to him. Uh, it was overthrown a little bit here, overthrown a little bit there. And he had an incredible camp before then. I'd read and heard from 24-7 and other sources, but I feel like the weekend that the world gets introduced to college football, five nights, right? It's a shame that it has to be week one, (laughs) where it's... You have two different sides here. One opening weekend where this week, for instance, was maybe the worst collective football in terms of being crisp as other weeks will be. And then you have when it's on the main stage during the holidays, during bowl season, and that's half and half because the coaches have left or players are holding, uh, you know, uh, holding out for the draft or all that other stuff. And that leads to half the bowl games being worthless too. Yeah. All in all, I'm still thrilled. It was a fantastic weekend. And, and if you, if you guys will follow us at, at run pot option, uh, I'm going to do my best to, live tweet a lot of that of the Saturdays because it's genuinely a blast. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, moment this week? I would have to say watching the, I would say the, the Oregon game, Oregon Auburn game, um, just because of, you know, you love the story of the, you know, the quarterback that comes back from adversity and leads his team to victory. Bo Nix, uh, his stat line was still terrible. He was like thirteen of thirty-one. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was dreadful. But just like the mox, you know, the moxie and the, you know, the juice that he showed. I think he's going to be a really good player for them. Um, and it was kind of cool to see him outduel the, you know, we talked about Justin Herbert a lot, and he played really well for the most part. But it was kind of cool to see him outduel the, you know, the top ten picks. So that was that was probably my favorite. Yeah, I think I think that's got to be close for me. It was the true freshman part of it. It's kind of the the storybook. It's it's your remember the Titans type of of game, <laughs> yes. um, and and that's really cool to see. What I kind of took away from that game, honestly, I've never seen on that final drive for Auburn. Gus Malzahn seemed so incredibly tuned in and thrilled to be calling plays again, which. That entire game, he didn't have a, he didn't have, he didn't call a perfect game or anything like that. No. But, but it's, he, he's also limited by, you know, the quarterback or, or any other piece of the team that might be lacking. I thought he did a great job. And that throw was awesome. That it, it's a, it's a, it's the most like this is college football play. Yep. It was, it was, uh, it was a very watered down version of the Texas Tech upset of Texas is what it felt like. The positioning yeah. of the field and him catching it and then turning it into the end zone. Uh, it was really cool. For me, probably the best part of the weekend was the U-Freeze thumbs up from the, <laughs> from, <laughs> from the offices, uh, from the uh, the top of the, um, the God, arena, the stadium uh, in the Syracuse Liberty game. That was genuinely, it was hilarious in itself, but... Uh, Twitter does what Twitter does, and and I would giggled for just an hour and a half on it. 
constantly showing my wife the things that I was seeing, tweeted about it because it was hilarious. Yeah, and I, I didn't like when you guys had sent me that. I didn't, I didn't think it was serious. You know, talking about him being up there in a hospital bed. I was like, oh, you know, it's just a joke. But when the picture started coming out, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm like, he really is. He's up in a hospital bed. Like, that was so wild. I wish it would have been a better game, but it probably would have been if he hadn't shown up. <laughs> and and what's weird is like, yeah, the reports of he's in a coach from from a a hospital bed, and it was like, well, that's good on him, I guess. But <laughs> it was like whoever heard that memo, ESPN, it was on ESPN Plus, and they're like, okay, so we have five cameras tonight. We're gonna put two on you freeze the entire time. And it was uh, it was genuinely hilarious. And the press conference afterwards, him doing it like remotely through the TV, is hilarious to me. <laughs> Do you think that in a world of turnover props that that Liberty should adopt the turnover hospital bed uh, or the turnover gurney for for any time some player gets an interception? <laughs> They just go and lay down on the <laughs> hospital bed. I was gonna say that, or they should they should hoist freeze up anytime they do it, and put him back in. Yeah, <laughs> they all just they have, hey, he's, he's crowd surfing, but it's actually him just recreating the the hospital bed scene. Definitely. Did you have anything else um, from uh, week one that you wanted to talk about? There was only one other game, and I didn't. I wanted to see if you saw it. Um, Virginia Tech kind of got blown out a bit by Boston College. Yeah, so that was a that was a screen that was on and it honestly it every time I looked it didn't seem like something was going like it was it was either a TV timeout or something. I just didn't get engaged in it at all. Uh, but I was surprised at the score when all of a sudden Boston College where I think it was a tight game, it was in the second quarter they went for 21 points and just mm-hmm. kind of ran away with it even though yeah. they only won by 7. Yeah, because we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, Fuente's future. And with it, I mean, it's a conference game for them starting off. Really not a good showing against a Boston College team that I didn't think was really going to be good offensively. I mean, they have Dylan, who's an awesome running back, but they actually were kind of stretching the field and throwing it a lot. So I don't I don't know if Adazio finally has some dudes this year or what, but... Ah. I'd, I'd only, I heard it on a preview and I can't honestly tell you, it might have been an ACC conversation that happened on PAPN before version 1.0 ended because I think they might have gotten in the ACC mm-hmm. uh, right before, right before Bill Connolly took the job at ESPN. But Boston College was anticipated to have a good offense again because they showed something last year where like for six or seven games, they, uh, they were really good. They weren't, I like, what they seem to be doing on offense, right? Schematically. But if it wasn't for the five turnovers by Virginia tech, I (laughs) think, I think this game is probably 35 Virginia tech and maybe Boston college ekes out 21 points, you know, because Virginia tech still wasn't bad. They only let up 325. I'm sorry, 425 yards, which sounds weird. 432. It sounds weird, but when you're when you're giving the ball away five times, I feel like that's pretty good. It just seemed like the big plays they were giving up through the air, like you mentioned. It, it's I think Fuente and uh, I think Virginia Tech and Tennessee are both freaking out right now for different reasons. Yep. 
But I think that that Virginia Tech team looked better than a lot of the Virginia Tech football I saw last year. Minus the turnovers. Yeah, offensively, I mean, offensively, they're a lot better. I know they they lost a couple starters early, in the, especially in the secondary, and I think on the defensive line. So I don't, I don't think they're really deep on defense. So like you said, it's a combination of turnovers, you know, depth. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what, you know. Hopefully, it's early and they can turn it around. But it, it's not really a good start for them. So there, there is a little note here. So last year, the Hokies' defense was 106th against the run, which is insane. Uh, hmm. They they didn't Boston College didn't gain a yard in the third quarter. I think Virginia Tech and I think Fuente in particular, with this year's team, it might just be par for the course that they're going to play to their competition. Because I wouldn't be surprised if Bud Foster dials up a masterpiece against. Clemson level team and loses by fourteen as opposed to fifty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't doubt that in a game against Pitt that that they only win by seven. You know, it, it's kind of a they're really weird. They're a chameleon. They just adjust to their surroundings, and yeah. they've done a bad, and it hasn't translated to wins, which is a bummer for just yeah. Virginia Tech as a program. Honestly, hopefully they can pull it together. Let's see who they got on their schedule. So they played at Boston College. They got Old Dominion, Furman, Duke, all at home, at Miami, home against Rhode Island. So you're probably still going four and two at the worst, I think. I think you probably beat Duke. I think you maybe sneak one by Miami. We'll see. But I think they still might have. I mean, I think they're going bowling this year, no doubt. It's just, I hope it's not. A um, a letdown type of bowling, where it's where it's like, oh yeah, I guess we'll go to a bowl game, but where it's like, cool, few balls go our way. We could have been ten wins, maybe in the conference championship, but we just didn't have it this year. Yeah, I was gonna say if if there's one year for their schedule to set up, well, I mean this this schedule does not look tough at all. I mean, like I said, Miami, that's gonna be a, a toss up. UNC is actually looking better now that they let that quarter that freshman quarterback loose a little bit, but Wake Forest at home, Georgia Tech on the road, it's not And thinking of just like for, just looking at the schedule in terms of first year quarterbacks, being able to have first year quarterbacks home against Duke at Miami, home against North Carolina, by then they've probably not seen anything like what Bud Foster's gonna throw at them. That mm-hmm. might benefit them, genuinely. It may end up being, I don't know, I'm excited. I'm excited for Virginia, for Virginia, Virginia Tech down the end of the year. I hope Virginia Tech oh, gets yeah. around, though, truly. Yeah. I did want to talk quickly about a story I read, uh, and it kind of touched on your game watching Notre Dame and Louisville. The Athletic did a piece. They did an embed with Satterfield, uh, with Louisville, and just kind of talking about the culture. And as those things are, they're, they're pretty fluff pieces, but... The takeaway from the, the small snippets they took from the coaches and from the players, I'm, I'm excited for Louisville fans that they've genuinely switched from potentially the worst personality in college football <laughs> to one of the best. Yeah. And once he gets a quarterback that's not, uh, not passed, <laughs> uh, I think, 
I think they can be challenging in the ACC in just a few years. I don't think it's going to be as big of a rebuild as I thought. Yeah, I, I was kind of curious how Satterfield's system would translate. I don't want to say moving up, but you know, going from App- Appalachian to Louisville for the first, I mean, you saw part of it, but for the first half, they were really moving the ball well on Notre Dame and their scheme isn't anything complex. Like it's, it's all zone based, a lot of pistol. Like you said, I think when they can get a better quarterback, still mobile, they probably will be a pretty good team. And I mean, Louisville has great resources, so it's not like they're, you know, at a small stadium with no funding like that. Yeah, they got, they got the, they're a good Papa, program. Even if his name isn't on the, on the, <laughs> even if you got booted out of the booster club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I think it's going to speak into the system like you talked about. If you remember Shanahan in the NFL, right? And him being able to scheme a thousand yard rushers without an issue yep. because of the zone blocking. Yep. I think Satterfield and I think those kind of offenses are similar in the way that an air raid is where there's like 20, 30 designed plays. And then mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of options for the receivers and or the quarterback to make that it's going to be heavier emphasis on the run and pass has the feet. He just can't beat you in the air totally yet. And maybe he won't ever. But it's finding that balance. I think they're a quarterback away this year. If they had the right quarterback, I think at worst you're it's seven wins or eight wins because I think he's genuinely a play caller and his staff calls plays at a very good rate. I think it's just right now Louisville's running on fumes, sort of. You know, they're 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 high on uh, the environment. They're high on the new message and the new family bit. Uh, eventually they'll get the scheme down and make the right decisions when it comes to, to that, to that point, you know, whether it's a receiver cutting in or cutting out or whether it's the quarterback keeping, uh, or, or giving the ball away or, you know, many other things. I, I, I wish Satterfield all the success in the world, even though Louisville is, is Louisville. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think they'll do well though. And, I was reading a little bit online before the game and I can't remember how, what recruiting class it is. If they would be sophomores or juniors, they do have an older class that was pretty gutted. So I think they'll probably get worse for a year before they get better. Cause they'll go through that kind of transition where yep. yeah, the, the I, class that would be seniors will be like four, there'll be four players and they'll be terrible. And then, so <laughs> they'll, they'll probably have a youth movement, but I think, I think they'll do well. What was interesting, uh, so it's that, that article is called We Kept Fighting Inside the First Game of Scott Satterfield's Louisville Culture Change, and it's on The Athletic by Matt Fortuna, uh, or Fortuna, I'm not sure, uh, probably not Fortuna, but it even talked about like their athletic director got a scouting license to scout players while Petr- like when they were getting rid of Petrino, and Petrino wasn't, he either had already gotten fired or he wasn't recruiting anymore. And the athletic director took it in his own hands and was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go talk to some kids. And there were three <laughs> players that played last night uh, that was uh, that were guys that he brought in, um, which I thought That's was That's wild. Cool. That's yeah, one of the nuts. best stories I've heard. It's really cool. It's worth a read. And if you're not an athletic subscriber, uh, just at Jeff on Twitter. He'll give you his username and password. <laughs> <laughs> He's easy to find. Yep. Let's, uh, let's jump to week two. What do you think? A little bit better. Obviously, you have the 
the heavyweight fight, Texas and LSU, Saturday. Um, other than that, it's kind of similar to week one. Um, are, you, are you disrespecting Texas A&M and Clemson? See, I just, I don't, after all the hype from last year's game, I just don't know if they're going to be able to match it. A&M lost uh, by three points last year. I believe it was like 28-25. Yeah. Well, this year they go to Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's the afternoon game though, at least. So you don't have to worry about the, <laughs> the, the big, um, the 30 minute intro on ESPN for them walking right. through the stadium and hitting the rock and all that stuff. <laughs> Falling down the hill, yeah. Yeah, God, dude, that, there's nothing that makes me more nervous than watching them <laughs> come down at an 85 degree angle down the hill. Yeah. I, you do have some other good games, though. Um, I mean, California, Washington is kind of interesting. That's the, the Pac 12 after dark, starting at 10 30. You have Cal Stanford, Washington's USC. Yeah, Stanford, USC. You have Minnesota Fresno State. That's kind of an interesting one. Minnesota Fresno State's good. I think last year Fresno State won that game. Yeah. And Minnesota looked very unimpressive against. I think they played South Dakota State and got kind of pushed around by them. You also have Maryland after hanging, what was it, 79 on power? (laughs) Them hosting Syracuse might be interesting. Yeah, especially I don't Syracuse didn't look that great against the fighting freezes. So no, D- no, Devito did not look very good, and no, not at all. You have UCF in Florida Atlantic, so you have Lane Kiffin trying to pick himself off the floor. <laughs> What's happened to him? The last it was two years ago that they had they were really good, right? Last year they were bad. Two years ago they had Kendall Bryles, and that they had. It. About yeah, and they had a I think a pretty good amount of transfers come in, and yeah. and they flew their owls. So I didn't mean to do that, but uh, <laughs> they did really well, probably with a weaker schedule. Um, yeah, I think last year you can attribute some of that to staff changes and personnel changes that happens. I mean, they didn't quit against Ohio State, so no. I really don't, I really don't know that they could still be a nine or ten win team. And in their league, I don't think it'd be that hard. Yeah, I just feel like the shine has worn off from that year. I think it's just two years ago. We're used to a new Lane Kiffin job within two years. (laughs) Yeah, it's easy to get adjusted to. So, like, he stays there, and Florida Atlantic doesn't get any press really because they're not on TV. Well, he seems much more like calm than he used to. I mean, he still is a great follow on Twitter, but. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I think he's kind of mature because I'm not totally sure no. maturity is the right word. I think he's a 44 year old man child, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do think I do think he's. Um, it feels like he's committed at least, you know, which is which yeah. is good to see at any level. Yeah. The same way that Matt Campbell at Iowa State, they could go two and ten this year, and if they do, knowing that they still have Matt Campbell makes me feel good for them. Yeah. Definitely. So, any other week two games you feel like are worth watching? Just scrolling through here, Nebraska and Colorado might be fun. An all big twelve. Yeah, because that was a, that was a close one last year, right? Didn't? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was when Nebraska made noise, and then everybody realized Colorado wasn't that good. I believe. Yeah, but Colorado beat them. Did they? 
Yeah, I think it was the first week last year. You're right. Colorado won 33-28 yeah. on 9-8. On so if it wasn't the first week, it was the second week. Oh, no, it was the first game for Nebraska, but second game for Colorado. I think Nebraska had a game canceled in week one yeah. that year. And it yep. was Scott Frost Day, and then every day became Scott Frost Day. <laughs> Still Scott, Scott Frost Day. So Nebraska looking for revenge. Uh, I see Purdue Vanderbilt, <laughs> just the battle of the golden black teams. That's it. Nothing else. Oh, that's one game we didn't talk about from week one. How about Nevada upsetting Purdue? So happy for Nevada. So happy for the Mountain West after week one. Crazy. Um, I don't think anybody should be hitting the Jeff Brom alarm bells because I think this year might end up going the way that Lane Kiffin's year two did. Not that they're on the same level necessarily, but new coaches, it happens. You know, you either immediately do great and then you fail. It's a sophomore slump almost. There's always, yeah, there's always I, a weird combination there. I, I felt like last year Purdue's administration might have overpaid for him, but I think they were put in a position where they couldn't do anything else. Like Louisville was coming for him. Louisville's the hometown, you know, school. Yeah, I think he's the third high, the third highest paid coach in the Big Ten behind. Well, it was Harbaugh and Meyer. I don't know if it's just Harbaugh now, but I still think it might be worth it. You know, we'll have to see, but. Yeah, if, I mean that return, not investment. What's yeah, six million when they're building a new facility for because of him? At, at this point, they're still laying the groundwork, and you've still got Rondell Moore. So the yeah. third year, you've got him for another year at least after this one. Yep. Uh, that's when I, I. That's when I'd expect for that arrow to really trend upward for the team. Yeah, and we'll and see what their schedule looks like too. And they're recruiting really well. They're getting a bunch of four stars from, you know, they're beating a lot of Big Ten higher quality Big Ten schools for recruits. So I think you're right. If they can figure out the defense, the offense isn't the problem. They, I mean, they're going to score 30-plus points a game. It's Their defense is still leaky. Especially with a, a league that's improving on offense, I think, or at least yeah. trying to. Uh, when your Ryan days of the world are taking over and they're just they're opening up a bunch of five-star athletes to a spread, you know, <laughs> letting, them, <laughs> letting them fly. Yep. I think South Florida and Georgia Tech uh, low-key might be interesting because South Florida can't stop anybody, and Georgia Tech hasn't been able to go against anybody yet, really, and, and really uh, <laughs> allow their offense to move forward. So kind of excited for that game. Um, I think there was one I saw on here, and I'm going to scroll for a second. Uh, North Texas SMU is going to be a good game. Tune in for that. Yeah. Yeah. God, Arkansas. <sighs> this one – <laughs> how bad is Arkansas and Ole Miss going to be? <laughs> oh, I'm shocked at how bad what Ole Miss scored. I mean, kudos to Memphis because I think Memphis, you know, they played really inspired and they were pretty jazzed about that win. But 10 points by Ole Miss, that was just... I don't know who to blame, but if Memphis's defense is the real deal, uh, it's going to be really interesting Um in conference play to see if they're able to slow down because traditionally they ha- that's that's not been a strength <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah. So yeah, kind of interested to see how that unfolds um, over the course of the season. Uh, I think that's all the really big ones that I'd want to talk about. Are are you excited for USC and their new quarterback? 
Yeah, what a bummer about um, what's the kid's name that got JT, hurt? Uh, JT Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like he was doing pretty well in that new offense, and yeah. goes down with an injury. And I don't know if that. I hope that you know they can bounce back, but a lot of people are kind of saying that might be the end of Helton's run here. It's a bummer because it's kind of unfair to Graham Harrell too, because I think Graham Harrell is going to have uh, JT Daniels really doing well, and yeah, and and now you've got a USC backfield that's got uh, quarterback Kadan Slovis with running back Vive Malapai. <laughs> which is the most wild backfield uh, combination ever. And I hope they're good just because those names are wild as shit. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the picks of the week, huh? Let's do it. So any long time listener, which doesn't exist yet. Cause we've only done a few episodes, honestly. So <laughs> don't lie. Uh, we usually have a third on uh, Kyle's usually, Kyle's usually on this. I don't know if y'all just <laughs> my dog's making a bed in the couch. Can you hear that? <laughs> it sounds like he's just ripping up the ripping up the ground with the couch. Uh, Kyle's usually a co-host here. He wasn't able to make it today, which is fine. Uh, but we picked twelve games a week uh, last week. Me, uh, Marty, and Kyle. Uh, we both finished six and six, and Jeff finished seven and five. So congratulations, Jeff! You made money. Yes. Um, Liberty the Bowl, here I come. <laughs> the, de- the, deciding fa- <laughs> the deciding factor was that Louisville-Notre Dame game, oddly enough. Uh, I always surprise Kyle and Jeff with two games at the end, so Jeff has prepared ten of these picks, but two of them are going to be on the fly. Uh, so let's start <laughs> from uh, the first one on the list. There are no particular order. We have Marshall at Boise State uh, with Boise State favored by 12 points. Who you got? Boise State and the points. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm going Marshall here, actually, because I always feel like they're uh, they're underrated. <laughs> they always end up having a really solid team. <laughs> uh, and blindly, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and suggest that they're going to cover. Maybe maybe they throw Bachmeyer some, some tricks up front and slow him down. Oh. Uh, second, let's go Army at Michigan. Michigan favored by 23 points. You got to go with Army. I, I feel like I feel like you got to right because if nothing else, there's only going to be so many minutes Michigan's going to have the ball to score 23 points more than Army does. Yep. I yeah unless unless Army makes some major mistakes, which they won't. You know they're pretty disciplined. They're pretty well coached. Yeah, you're exactly right. Michigan will probably win by 14, and everyone will agonize over it, but. There, there won't be enough time. Army will chew up too much clock for it to be more than that. Well, and, and you know, Army was only able to sneak 14 points past Rice uh, last week. So, it, it, yeah. I, I don't know if that's just Rice having a whole offseason to prepare for the triple option. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's the case, but... Could be. I don't know how did how did Michigan do against the run last week. Well, Middle Tennessee State barely ran it. They were four wide, just throwing it as soon as they snapped the ball every time. <laughs> yeah. So okay. it, was, not, it was pretty rough. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna you know what, I'm gonna go Michigan to cover. Fuck it. 
I'm gonna go. I yeah. think I think we got a chance here. I wouldn't uh, be surprised. Michigan Michigan played Air Force a couple years ago, and they it was about that score. And Don Brown said he's he's spent time since the spring working on Army, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're pretty well prepared for it. It's it's a tall task, even when it's Army, man. That's a, it's a weird yeah. system to prepare for. Yeah. Um, just ask whoever Tulane played last week, even though it's not a straight up triple option. <laughs> but running such a heavy option, and they uh, absolutely hammered FIU. And FIU is yeah. not an awful team, I don't think. Uh, so we got Cincinnati at Ohio State. Luke Fickle comes home. Ohio State is 16.5 point favorites. I'm taking Cincinnati here just because I think Fickle is the, the prodigal son. You know, he coached. Ohio State when Trestle got fired or suspended yeah. or whatever and was there for a long time. So I think I don't want to say they'll take it easy on him, but I think they win by like two touchdowns. Yeah, I think I think Ohio State probably could could jump out to a pretty healthy lead. But I wouldn't be surprised if they let Cincinnati back in the game to cover like they did Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go Cincinnati as well. Um uh, by the way, the picks for Kyle, Kyle picked Boise State, picked Army to cover, and picked Ohio State. Uh, okay. I forgot to leave him in because he's not here to, <laughs> to present himself. Next, uh, we've got Southern Miss at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is uh, 18 and a half point favorites. Wow. Who did Mississippi State play in week one? It was could have been a good team. It was... It was uh, <laughs> Louisiana, ULM the or something? Formerly, yeah, it's Louisiana, the artist <laughs> formerly known as ULL. <laughs> uh, and who who might not be a bad team either, right? ULL's had a pretty consistent squad, but I think what might be happening at Mississippi State and Purdue uh, aren't totally unrelated, you know, in taking over, uh, taking over not a helpless program or anything like that. But I don't think that uh, I don't think Mississippi State was where they were four years ago when he took them over last year. Right. I think Southern Miss covers. Yeah, Southern Miss has kind of been like a fringe bowl team, right? The last few years under Jay, they still have Jay Hobson as their coach. Yeah, and he tried to bring in Art Bryles. Yeah, and backlash was not. Yeah, we might we might do we might do a. You might do a gambling thing. That's just uh, the first coach to get another job in the FBS. Is it Petrino or is it Art Bryles? <laughs> I don't know. I think Petrino tried. I don't think it worked after last year. At any level, though. Yeah. Like, like do you a, think? Do good... you think Petrino could come in as like a passing coordinator? He'll be the passing coordinator at Alabama next year. Maybe. I, like he, his offense fell off so much. I remember him having like a really exciting kind of pass heavy attack at Arkansas. Am I remembering that correctly? And no, you're, you're right. And that was he totally of, changed at Louisville. That was off at the, the uh, when you have Lamar, I mean, Lamar Jackson is going to change things yeah. for you too. But when he was with Louisville before he went to the NFL, uh, Brian Brom and company were also very pass heavy. Yeah. Uh, and he made a lot of, a lot of receivers money in the NFL from that Louisville team back in like 07. Right. Anyways, Southern Miss at Mississippi state, not to get too sidetracked. 
Yeah, I'll take Southern Miss to cover. Okay, nice. All right, uh, we've got Nevada off their win at Purdue. Uh, it was home against Purdue, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, Nevada on the road at Oregon. Uh, twenty-one and a Oregon is twenty-one and a half point favorites. Is it R? Oregon R twenty-one, not is. I'm saying is a lot. <laughs> R twenty-one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Nevada did get shredded a bit by Purdue. I think Purdue had close to 500 yards of offense. So, oof, man, but 21, that's a lot. 21's a whole bunch. But I'd be willing to bet that Purdue were somewhere in the 17-point range. Yeah. I think Oregon's probably scorned lover after their loss to Auburn, and uh, I think Oregon's going to just hammer them. Yeah, I think that's – I agree. And they're playing at home. Oregon tends to to play pretty well at home. I have to see what that game is, but I'd be willing to bet it's a – if it's a night game especially, Nevada's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, it's at 7.30 Eastern, so it's noon there pretty much. (laughs) There won't be any problems. But, yeah, I think Oregon hammers them. Uh, We've got Tulane at Auburn. Uh, Auburn, 21.5-point favorites. Whew. I'm I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take I'll say Tulane. Ooh, really? See, God, yeah. so I want to take Tulane so bad, but I'm also trying to win this contest, so I'm gonna take. <laughs> you gonna take Tulane to cover? Yeah, I mean Tulane, that FIU team they beat that's that's Butch Davis, isn't it? That's they mm-hmm. were. Supposed to be a pretty solid team, so yeah, I think they're beating them forty-two fourteen. Yeah, beating them forty-two fourteen. That's no. Yeah, at Auburn. Plus, Tulane has those awesome helmets, right? Those, yeah. The the wave is possibly one of the during the off season. We'll need to rank. uh, We need to rank (laughs) uh, like helmet decals because Tulane is up there a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We've got North Texas at SMU. Uh, SMU is a four and a half point favorite. How do you feel about that? I don't. I don't feel good um, because (laughs) uh, Arkansas State lit SMU up on defense, passing the ball, and Mason finds a really good quarterback. But we did beat them last year, Um, so I feel like I feel like we probably win the game. But I think North Texas covers. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. Moving on to the high-powered offense of Rutgers at Iowa. Iowa's 21. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Iowa is 20. They are 20-point favorites. Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to take Iowa to cover. Me too. Iowa looks really good right now. Yeah, now they did lose, so they have two tackles that are both probably first or second round NFL picks. Uh, Alaric Alaric Jackson, excuse me, uh, was on the sidelines in street clothes and a, uh, I don't know if it was a cast or what, so that'll hurt them, but I I still think they're going to bulldoze Rutgers. Rutgers was losing to, I don't remember what team they played, they ended up winning, but they were losing for a while. So I think it's still, still Rutgers. So yeah, I I think it's nice to see uh, that Rutgers and Maryland spent all their points this season 
uh, in week one. <laughs> but yeah, I think Iowa probably shuts them down pretty qu- in pretty quick order. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shutdown, uh, we have Cal at Washington. Washington are 11 and a half point favorites. Who? Cal's defense, I think, is a real deal still. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Washington to cover. Yeah, I'm going Washington. Mm. So last year, they that game was 10 to 12 in Cal oh, won. God, but but also Washington with Jake Browning and like maybe one of the worst best quarter. He's he was an awful. He was an awful quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I still think Cal. Really? You know, I, I say really. I mean, it's not like it's it's crazy to think eleven and a half points is a lot when you're yeah going up. What is probably going to end up being like a top fifteen S and P plus defense. Yeah, I still think Washington will win, but I think they'll win by a touchdown. Yeah, I, I mean, luckily they didn't. That's what the reason I picked Washington is purely on the fact that. Those points don't have to come from just the offense, and I think Cal's offense is still uh, struggling enough that they'll give Washington some easy layups um, yeah. and pad those stats. Uh, the biggest game of the week is LSU at Texas, Ooh. but it's actually not at Texas. I think this is in Houston. Uh, this is my might be my maybe. bold no, it's, pick. No, it's but... in Austin. It is in Austin because they're doing game uh, day is in Austin. It? Yep, it's in Austin. Okay. Uh, Texas. I still. Uh... Are four point underdogs, okay. so LSU's favored by four. Yep, give me LSU. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if you were able to catch any of their game. I watch a little bit. Yes, a little I'm bit of LSU too. They look really good on offense. I, I'm loving this new. You know, this is like like S, Les Miles is rolling over in his grave that he's not in right now. Like they're they go no no huddle. They throw a lot. Like it's they've really transformed. While yeah, still they, being really aggressive on defense. Speaking of the athletic, I know you read the article on Dave Aranda. Yes. Which was awesome. Yeah, I think it's weird when you have a quarterback for LSU score throw five touchdowns. Uh, yeah, and only, what, three quarters? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I. Uh, it was against, what was it, Georgia Southern, right? Yeah. So it was yep. still... I mean, it's they're not very good, but what wasn't Georgia Southern the team that beat Florida a few years back? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So LSU's better than that Florida team, at least. Yeah, I think LSU covers. Uh, yeah, that's going to be an awesome game, man. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, and and honestly, the trash talk. I don't know if you've seen. It. I'm sure you have. Has been a lot of the fun. DBU shirts. The DBU shirt, and I think uh, <laughs> before that, LSU talked trash about. Uh, maybe it was Texas's offense just pressing the receivers or something. I, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, and I think that uh, I think it might be low key. LSU hammers Texas. You think so? Yeah, I kind of hope so, honestly. Well, and there's one thing I don't know if this was actually true. You might have seen this. Is is Texas really down? Like they were saying that. Texas's backup quarterback is playing running back in practice. Is that? Yeah, they're running back. Uh, they're. Is that really happening? It's, it's one of the last running backs I think they have that's healthy on the roster, and Jeez. he got hurt. So, 
I guess we'll really learn uh, if LSU's defensive backs are up to the task because they're going to be, they're be <laughs> playing all receivers. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. yeah, they're just going to. It's just going to be five wide, no matter what. It's going to be like an old June Jones system. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think, and for that reason alone, I think LSU runs away with it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be close to start, but yeah, I think Elliger probably get, he gets picked off twice. I think it's I think it's going to be. Uh, close and then really ugly pretty quick if I had to guess. Uh, so surprise picks. The first surprise game is Brigham Young University at Tennessee. Tennessee favored by one, <laughs> Tennessee favored by one point. Uh, man, I want to pick Brigham Young, but I'm going to go with Tennessee just because oh, wow. I think. You're the only one who picked Tennessee. I picked Brigham Young, and so did Kyle. Did you catch any of the Brigham Young Utah game? Brigham Young did not look yeah, very good. It's. I thought oh. in that first. I think I watched the first. Uh, the first half in full, and how physical they were. My wife's getting some out of the freezer. In case y'all heard that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's an ice cream sandwich. The best. Uh, nice. Goat. It's a goat dessert treat. Truly, um, Brigham looked. Brigham Young looked extremely physical uh, in that first half. I don't know how the rest of that game played out because it was so late. Um, yeah, I think if if that trend follows, I think Tennessee coming off a body blow from uh, Georgia State. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think, uh, I think Brigham Young. I think they win at like, Tennessee. At, yeah. I do. Oh, man, you know what that that but Tennessee if, fan if, base is gonna do? If Brigham Young beats Tennessee, <laughs> In the Tennessee. athletic director's gone in six weeks, and uh, there's gonna be some changes. There's gonna be boats burning everywhere in Tennessee. Yeah, Saturday yeah. night. One of the biggest things that I wished uh, would have happened would have been Leach to Tennessee. He would have been fired by now, probably, because he would have rubbed everybody <laughs> the wrong way. But yeah. just to see that offense in the SEC, um, it would have been a lot of fun. Uh, and then the last surprise game, Stanford at USC, and it's just a straight pick em. I guess will Costello be back for Stanford? Because he got – the other crazy part about that Northwestern-Stanford game is both quarterbacks got knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and Costello got like proper forearm – into the like, yeah, like, just absolutely target, filthy yeah. play, yeah, yeah. They didn't call targeting, so, though, right? Or did they retroactively? No, do it? no, they didn't. That was like there's a lot of outrage about it. And it's is it at USC or at Stanford? It's at USC. Oh boy, I think uh, I think I'm gonna go. I'm trying to think of historically Stanford playing kind of wide open offenses, right? Like an Oregon is a good example. And they've always, they're always kind of like the kryptonite for Oregon. It felt like, uh, I think even with, I think the unknown quarterback might help USC in this Mm -hmm. instance, honestly. And I think Graham Harrell is, I just love Graham Harrell, man. Uh, It's like the fourth time I've mentioned him by (laughs) <laughs> like between the Texas Tech Texas game and all that other stuff, but I'm going to pick USC outright. I, mean, I think you're on the right track. 
USC threw for, I think, almost 300 yards last week, and that was, you know, yeah, 272. Um, Kedon Slovis came in and hit 75% of his passes. So I think you're right. I think they're going to have him ready. And I, Stanford is just weird to me now. Like, I, they've, they recruit a lot better than they ever did under Harbaugh and during Shaw's early days, but then they seem to have kind of like leveled out. Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. You know, it feels, it feels like, so, uh, it feels like Andrew Luck was the exception uh, for them. Yeah. The more the more time we get removed, the, the more time we're removed from it, it's clear that on any given year, there's maybe two max offensive players that really have something, and everyone else is feverishly trying to catch up, and it and it yeah. is, it doesn't and depending on the position, you know, like even. Uh, God, I've already forgotten his name. The running back that just got drafted. Uh, Bryce Love. Yeah, the way Bryce Love was two years ago. And yeah. then he gets adjusted for, and Costello is dependent. They depend on him, and he's depending on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And, like, it's a, it's a weird... It's a really weird system. Yeah. And defensively, I think they're closer now to what they were in the past versus like last year. I think last year they were pretty awful defensively comparatively. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, well, you know what? Mike Leach to Stanford. Can we do that? <laughs> he can teach the modern warfare class there. Uh, yeah. I wish Stanford would kind of figure something out offensively. Cause it really is kind of frustrating to watch any given year. Yeah. But you look at the talent and like they recruit, I mean, it's tight ends a lot of times, but they recruit a lot of four star running backs. They have a five star left tackle. Like they recruit really well. And then you just watch them go out and plod their way to a 10 to seven victory. And it's just like, but that's also, those are typically positions though, that you can recruit that don't necessarily equate to points, right? Like, and I don't know how much the NFL changes over the next 10 years, but the way Stanford ran things when Harbaugh was there and even the early Shaw years, like you said, it was as if it was NFL light, right? Their play calling style, the the type of plays, the order in which they called them was a very pro, the, the, the quote unquote pro style offense. And, And there's not a, there's not anything wrong with the pro style offense necessarily, but when you have, your your position players at receiver uh at running back you've got to have a couple if nothing else because you're running two receiver you're running you're running plays with two receivers you know and right. and, and maybe on that day your offensive line isn't there and you've got to pull a tight end and a running back back to block so you have like KJ Costello and only three people pass the line of scrimmage um it's it's not exactly unless those two are are, are stellar players. It's not a, a recipe for success consistently. I feel like a lot of yeah. variability. I expect yeah. I expect Oregon State if they play this year um, to give them a game. 
just because Stanford is so hot and cold on offense. Let's see. I'm gonna look at their schedule. By the way, who do you have for the pick'em? Did you did you decide? I'm going. I'm going with Stanford. All right. Cool. Let me write down Stanford, and I will tell you that on September 28th, Stanford's going to Corvallis, and I'm going to go ahead and call it now that Oregon State's going to win that game. Hold me to it. All right. This is the year. It's going to be one of three wins for Oregon State. All right, Jeff, before we get out of here, do you have anything else? You know, I think that's it. Okay. I'm awesome. excited for another great week. Yeah, I'm excited for another week. Um, I don't know why, Jeff. Why are you doing the, the hook em horns, but it's facing down? That, that's not, that's illegal. <laughs>